Wake up, buyer payer people. It's a beautiful day. Go grab yourself another cup of joe and say hello to Jim and Michelle Rhodes on the Buy Here, Pay Here morning show. Take it away, you two. Good morning, everyone. Hello, hello. Uh, is it time to do the morning show again? It's, it's, it's well, it's like afternoon kind of here, but yeah, <laughs> it's, maybe it feels like it's uh, afternoon because we did one yesterday for the FIADA address. Right. Um, so wasn't we did the morning a, show, but it, it wasn't was the broadcast. morning show, but it was a live broadcast. So um, yeah, it was a great show. Another like every time we go to one of those, um, uh, I just really appreciate how nice it is to connect mm-hmm. with people so sure. yeah no for sure it's always good to you know see colleagues and have mm-hmm. a chance to chat with the people that we don't see often mm-hmm. enough and so you know talk to them on the phone's fine but to just be in the room with them and yeah. maybe even share a cocktail and yeah we did and, uh, so some of you saw <laughs> we the, found a the, smoked old-fashioned old it was quite it a was, presentation it was yeah. it was very similar to the one at t-a-i-d-a you know and i gotta tell you our, my t-i-a-d-a friend, did t- i say that right, right. Good, okay good, good. <laughs> so our uh, our friend and colleague Todd Tyler. Yates over at Primal End he was uh-huh. teasing me about don't don't fall for all the hype but just smoke and whatever and I was thinking later I was like you know it was quite a sensory experience it's not you get the flavor mm-hmm. you get the scent you know the whole visual element is yeah great, but I mean I I think after the smoke has gone away it doesn't really you don't doesn't don't keep a smoke flavor but there really is anyone who has uh been a bartender understands that what you smell as you drink changes your experience. Right. Yeah. So it's, you know, you get a, you get a, uh, um, a different experience the mm-hmm. first few sips at least. Yeah. So good morning, both Tyler and to Karen. Um, yeah. Glad to have you. And we didn't bring you guys here to talk about cocktails this morning. It's a well, little early I mean, for that. You know, yeah, we, yeah. It is it's five o'clock somewhere, but um, right, yeah. yeah, we uh, just a couple quick announcements. Mm-hmm. Um, the, we have a, a, webinar coming up at the end of the month that's going to be about um it's going to be about branding and not about the logo and the color scheme and all of that this is going to be about um who people see you as and Mm -hmm. your dealership and and we're going to start uh doing some diving into to that kind of question we talked a little bit about your story yeah we did touch on that yesterday and so yeah uh, troy shear from niada will join he's uh super Mm -hmm. bright obviously when it comes to marketing he's a director of marketing and then uh, dave murray from our team will also join he's got a great background in marketing and storytelling himself so uh-huh. it'll be good yeah it'll be fun <laughs> and then uh, good morning bill elizondo and then great to i see. don't know who the facebook user is oh. is uh, sell the program not the car and uh uploaded the picture of the chicken sandwich <laughs> oh nice everyone's asking about it yeah so we got to find that chicken sandwich photo we okay. so just for those who didn't catch it yesterday uh-huh. we our broadcast yesterday was on the subject of sell the program not the car and then we featured mm-hmm. a couple of different things we talked about uh southwest airlines we talked about uh, Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of been a thing that everybody can relate to because they've either been in that line or they've driven by and seen the long lines at Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm. So everybody can understand mm-hmm. that. But yeah, from a marketing standpoint. Well, and you brought up the whole Southwest thing because, you know, all of us, uh, have, we're aware if you watch anything on the news um, that there is a bit of a hiccup with the company and, mm-hmm. you know, put a lot of people in in a place where they were a little bit uncomfortable. But they have created enough of a brand loyalty yeah. because it's they've because the brand itself has seen people through so many great times and they've been very, very consistent. Right. And sure. so, you know, even in dealerships, I, I, it 
same basic thing that mm -hmm. that um, when you create a brand that people really can just feel good about it all the time, um, then if you have a, a something come along that's a little bit of a hiccup, a, a bad review, mm -hmm. uh, whatever it is. Um, good morning, Carlos. Uh, that it, you have you have a better opportunity of being able to overcome that. Sure. Yeah, um, no, it's good yeah. stuff. So, I think, yeah. yeah, it was a, uh, it was a good conversation. We had a good, mm -hmm. uh, uh, room, you know, good, uh, attendance yesterday. Yeah, uh, and then, um, you know, of course our online audience was tuned in and, uh, so it was, uh, yeah, it was a good, good session, but yeah, so we have the session coming up again on January 31st. That's a Tuesday night. We're going to do another mm -hmm. seven 30 Eastern webinar. We'll be diving a little bit deeper into the topic, um, mm -hmm. that we talked about yesterday. And then, um, and then just so you guys know, in, in February, we're going to be doing a master class and working with just a very small handful of dealers one-on-one, -on -one, um, taking them deeper into this. We're also going to have group, um, some group, uh, um, classes that, mm -hmm. that, uh, dealers, if they don't want to do the one-on-one -on -one, can participate that way as right. well. And just see some of the, um, the, the high level things that we're going to be teaching. The one-on-one -on -one is more about getting, um, working with the dealers themselves about their dealership and helping them define their message so that we're kind of going to be working with them yeah. more, um, than just the, just the, uh, the general if dealers just want to, to, to be able to watch and, and, um, absorb some of the information right. that we're going to be talking about. So, yeah. So for today, we want to talk about, um, debt yeah. and, uh, and business and, um, and wow, you know, thinking about this topic in recent conversations, both mm -hmm. with dealer clients and with some of our colleagues out there, lenders, you know, people, capital providers in the space, it just is, there's like multiple facets of the conversation. Mm -hmm. And so in choosing kind of where to go with today, we kind of chose to, for today to really talk mostly about debt because we've had some clients, some client conversations recently where dealers yeah. are a little bit averse to debt. They don't come from debt. They were, they were educated not to use debt. So debt on yeah. personal nature. Yeah. Is one thing. Well, yes. And, and so I think the first thing to differentiate and, and it's, we, we all have heard so many times those, uh, many of us, uh, that debt is not good, mm -hmm. um, to stay out of debt. Um, right. the scary things about debt mm -hmm. and you know, the, that I've, can, I can think of, uh, a boatload of different memes about, you know, you go to bed, dad's sitting there waiting for you to wake up in the morning that, you know, it's balling, all these different things. And so we've, we've been taught a lot growing up and I can think about, you know, myself personally, that debt is not a good thing. And um, I remember as a, as a kid and as a young adult, uh, Susie Orman and, um, Dave, Dave Ramsey, Ramsey and, you know, all of the things it's like debt, bad, cut up the credit cards, debt, bad, debt, bad. And uh, we're, we're part of what we've been talking about is that there's a difference between personal debt and business debt. Sure. And so first off to, you know, to separate those two things. And, and I think the, uh, rich dad, poor dad, Mm -hmm. Um, I can't think it was because it's, uh, what's his uh, last Kiyosaki name? Or? Kiyosaki. Mm -hmm. I mean, he talks a little bit about that too. And, right. um, that, that debt used wisely is what most very successful businesses have done. Yeah. And yeah. I didn't get a chance to throw a poll out there. I had about three different polls on my mind this morning <laughs> and I, I put one out for today and I scheduled another one for tomorrow, but there's even a third yeah. one that's really about, it would be interesting to know what percentage of dealers that, you know, might take this poll, what, what percentage of them are operating with some form of external money? 
whether it's in the form of debt um, or whether it's an investment, you know, and often Some, and uh -huh. debt can come, I mean, investment can come as equity or debt, mm -hmm. you know, typically, uh, but just, you know, did they fund it themselves? I mean, the percentage of buy here, payer dealers that we meet mm -hmm. that are fully self-funded, that's a pretty low number. That's mm -hmm. a pretty low percentage. So, you know, we but there are, out there. Yes. there's some out there, there. Are out there, out there. But, but most dealers can't build a very large business that way. And so what becomes the question I think is how much debt is a sensible amount of debt in business? There's lots of ways to think about that, but some of the conversations we've had with lenders, I think what, what becomes a question is um, what, what can I do with debt? If I did access some smart money, some smart because mm -hmm. it, it can be a tool a right. really Absolutely. really valuable of tool course. and and by no means are we are we implying that um you know that that you should get into debt mm -hmm. um uh or that you know it's that you're doing it wrong if you haven't gotten into debt yeah. at all but it's about you know how do you use it as a good tool yeah and obviously you can find a mentor on this and talk to some others uh, in making that decision but i think mm -hmm. for me if i were just starting a buy here, pay here dealership, or I were, you know, advising someone who's starting whatever, then, you know, I would be prepared. And when we do advise dealers to be prepared to take on some smart capital, mm -hmm. you know, you're going to need to fund your business. And we would rather see dealers, generally speaking, where, where the smart money is available. Let's try to you know, move that. Yes, we please. got a little bit of buzzing and a little <laughs> bit of feedback on our side. Uh, so, Bottom line is we're trying to uh, get to the place where um, we can help dealers grow. And so that's really mm -hmm. often the question for me is I think in making a judgment about when is the right time to bring in external mm -hmm. funding. Mm -hmm. Well, if we're talking about investor partners, then that can make sense from day one. If it's the right kind of partnership structure and the right kind of investment, then that can make sense right out of the gate. Uh, with debt, I mean, most lenders won't step in until you have a little bit of track record, especially if mm -hmm. you're going to be the one collecting and remitting the funds to them. They're going to see that you have a little bit of history and success in collecting, uh, you know, in this particular space before they would provide funding. I, I would feel the same if I were making mm -hmm. loans to, to new dealers. So there's those kind of things to think about. But I think what we're really suggesting is that most dealers, the nature of buy here, pay here is that it's going to take some external funding funding to enjoy the kind of volume that is mm -hmm. possible in most markets. Well, and, and uh, we, we've, uh, I, I enjoy the conversations with dealers when, you know, we get into these kind of subjects mm -hmm. and just hearing about their experience and their story. And, and um, you know, uh, one of them was asking, so do you, do you, uh, you know, if someone were new, would you mm -hmm. encourage debt or encourage them to, to do uh, a little bit of, of lending? Mm -hmm. um, and, I think that part of what we what we were talking um, like one of the highlights is that it, for dealers that have been in the business for 10, 20, 30 years, mm -hmm. um, it was a it was a it was a different uh, landscape um, then than it is now. True. And so it's a little bit it's a it's there's a little bit more challenge today than there were than there Absolutely. was 10 years ago um, to to being able to do it without any assistance because that same 250,000, 500,000, whatever it is that you entered the business with took you a lot further yeah. than, than that same amount of money does today. And yeah. uh, how many people do we say it's like, if you're getting into buy here, pay here, 
how much money do you need? It's yeah. like <laughs> it's a big number. I mean, it's a big it's, number. It's a doing yeah. volume. I mean, we can choose yeah. to go slow growth. And I think that's as we you and I talked about. Mm -hmm. It's like that's one of the challenges. Is yeah, you could choose to do organic growth only. We mm -hmm. see some dealers do that, build up very slowly. Mm -hmm. If you, you know, if you got a retail business too, and you're selling some cars cash or you otherwise have another stream of income, then that's one thing. But if you're really just focusing on your buy here, pay here business, then the way I think about it is, it's like if you, if you open your dealership tomorrow mm -hmm. and you got a chance to finance 20 customers a month mm -hmm. because of the traffic that you see and you get qualified applicants mm -hmm. in, but you can only afford to fund five of them then to me, that missed opportunity, it's just a real exaggerated example. It's like, you know, in the simplistic example, if I'm missing business opportunity, then what's keeping me from accessing external funding to take on that? If it's a smart deal, it fits my program. It fits the underwriting model that I mm -hmm. set up for myself. If it, the, if the it customer's fits. coming in, it's, right. it's something that fits, but you don't take it because you don't, you don't have the cash. You don't have the cash. So it's yeah. like the cost of money might be high, but what's the cost of the missed opportunity? I think that's something that, you know, in a business class, one of the mm -hmm. early things you would learn is opportunity costs. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's a challenging thing to calculate, but in reality, you know, one example that I gave is probably not the best example, but I, you know, I'm talking about it before the show. I said, you know, if you think about that, you buy an apartment building mm -hmm. and you, you, it's got a hundred units in it, mm -hmm. but they need to be refurbished. So but you, you have enough capital to refurbish 30 of them, but you have enough applicants come forward to be able to rent 70 your, of them, yeah, whatever, yeah. a much higher number. It's like what the building is there. Like, why wouldn't we access some external funding to be able to, to, to just, enjoy that revenue? Yeah. Like, and then the math, you know, you just have to do the math. It's a math problem really is. And, and so you have to just make a judgment of whether that makes sense. So you know, in our case in buy here, payer, we have different kind of assets. We have yeah. you know, kind of soft assets. Yes. The cars out there is collateral. I don't think of the car as primary collateral. I think of the car as secondary collateral. I think as a primary collateral is the note itself. Mm -hmm. And the reason I think that is because of long history with cash flow mm -hmm. and, and knowing what kind of yield on cash that the portfolios typically generate. So this is part of what I, I really need to record something for the sake of some <laughs> of our clients that, cause yeah. I've been in many meetings over the years with clients and there would be lenders or business uh, yeah, partners, yeah. you know, lending partners. It happens all the time. Yeah. And yeah. so when you have those conversations, like there's parts of that, that I share with just like what we're talking about here, you know, I, I think of the car as secondary collateral. Some lenders out there would want to know the book value of the car, book value of the car matters very little to me if I'm the lender, but you know, everybody's got their own thing. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, so I'm not the lender for, <laughs> for our dealers. So, but I'm just saying, that's the way I think about it. After mm -hmm. years of watching the numbers and buy here, payer, we just know a portfolio of X in size should generate about Y in capital monthly, you mm -hmm. know, in, in cash flow. And so that's, that's the way I think about, that's what I'd be lending against is that. Yeah. So when we think about debt, I'm thinking you have to look at what's a sensible ratio. Well, there's lots of different answers on that has a lot to do with what kind of loan structure you're doing. I, I don't think I've ever been a part of like business strategy, business development uh, conversations in my career that I don't think I've ever experienced so many, well, it depends uh -huh. answers. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I guess there's, the there's so many. It's like it just depends. What's your model? What kind of da, 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 da. and yeah. it's so it's it's been it's really it's a it's a different paradigm yeah. in in buy here pay here. And so there are a lot of depends. But aren't there some things that you know you as we've talked to different different clients? That's there there are a few things that if you can measure by a couple of different metrics that regardless of your your um uh the, you know the way that you do business the kind of car that you uh, that they if you can keep within these things mm -hmm. then you you uh run a better risk yeah so mm -hmm. so among those things that i think you're referring to would be things like um you know your debt ratio the actual leverage mm -hmm. against your your assets or the receivables is most common you know if you get a line of credit you're typically going to get some sort of limit on a percentage of your receivables which is appropriate yeah, yeah. and and there are we've 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 witnessed there are a lot of lenders out there that are willing to lend more than what we would fill what we would suggest our our um our clients lend to or you yeah. know bar uh, leverage to and listen as a coach mm -hmm. advisor you know it's uncomfortable for us to see dealers you know stepping we used to be able to try to keep it around 40 45 percent of receivables well you know as cost of cars gone up markup has come down relative to cost percentage wise so the leverage that's required now is a little bit different does that make it wrong no it just means you've got a little less room for error so you're going to have to be smart you have to work really closely with your lender and make sure you feel comfortable with the people that you're sourcing the money from and make sure that they have your success in mind and now you you, you create a balance that makes sense because we are probably ha having to borrow more we're taking on more debt which again takes away some margin for error and so that's the dangerous thing with debt we got to make sure we stay in a safe ratio so what would you say like you know you're uh, wh where would you what kind of a line would you cross with your percentages where you're like um you're you're stepping into dangerous waters well let me say it this way um and i i don't want to step on the toes of any of our would-be lenders out there um that are you know many of them are people we know well but i would just say that if i were working with a client i think your question is if i were working with a client i would need to really have some justification for drawing more than 50 percent of the note balance mm -hmm. now can it be done you know higher acv cars 65 percent can work but if i'm advising a client if we're going to cross above 50 percent of the receivables i need to understand why like i just would want to go mm -hmm. inside that because that to me is where and we saw it we actually modeled it out with a client i shared it on the morning show months ago that we actually modeled it out with a client on a couple things you know ken shilson we talked about this morning ken shilson is um pioneer in this industry somebody's done a ton for standardization he's a you know cpa by education and, and trade and and uh, certainly has a, a as deep a financial understanding of this segment as anybody out there and ken challenged dealers years ago to say go back to your dealerships and run the numbers and see if something happened and your rate of charge-offs were to double mm -hmm. would you still be in business mm -hmm. let's think about that i'm gonna mm -hmm. say it again ken would say go back and Run the math and look at if your charge-offs doubled in the next year, what would that do to your business? That's a really great measuring stick because you it doesn't matter what your model is, but if if that uh, if that 
we're, you know, that's, that's like worst case scenario in your, in your business for whatever reason. And when um, we say, you, you know, would you still be in storm, business? Yeah. yeah. Well, when we say, would you still be in business? It's like, could you still support <laughs> your debt? Could you still say, stay in mm -hmm. a favorable ratio and stay within covenants on your line of credit, as an example, mm -hmm. uh, at that ratio? And so the, what, what we modeled out, the part I talked about is some months ago, we were modeling with a dealer on the screen. Mm -hmm. and, and I, we did that example. We did that exercise on a single screen. We changed the advance rate on his potential line of credit from 50% to 65%. Mm -hmm. At 50% advance rate, he was still fine at 50%, even with a double charge off experience. But at 65%, he was getting underwater. He was getting out of ratio. He was getting, mm -hmm. you know, out of covenants with the line of credit. That's a, a recipe for disaster. If you start falling behind your mm -hmm. ratios and you're having to come up with curtailments and cash to, to keep that in favor, that's, that's a dangerous mix. So this is why, you know, these lenders out there, they have a ton of experience, got a ton of their own data. I just know that as, as an advisor for our dealers, we just want to see, and, and look, 50% is challenging. I mean, it depends on obviously what you get from the down payment. If you get $3,000 down from a customer, you probably make 50% work just fine. Mm -hmm. But if you're seeing what most of our dealers are seeing, then that's, that's a tougher deal to make it work. You know, and we want to see dealers. I, I really, I would recommend to any dealer. It's okay to take debt against earning assets. Mm -hmm. When dealers start to talk to me about, I need more cash. I need to draw more because of my overhead. Wait a minute. We're borrowing money to support <laughs> overhead. You don't have the means to support your overhead That is besides debt. You're yeah, borrowing to pay yeah. overhead. Well, and that's, I, I think, uh, just from uh, an outside perspective is, you know, it's one thing to double your charge offs because mm -hmm. that's something that happens in the industry. That's, sure. that's like an industry trend or something like that. Your overhead is so much more in your complete control. Mm -hmm. And so if you, if, you know, if you're, if you're having a hard time meeting your overhead, it's the same thing as like, well, I get paid four grand from my boss every month and I spend 4,500. So it looks like I just need to cut back. It's not, <laughs> yeah, you know, right, or, right. or, you know, find a new job or something, yeah. something like that. But it's like, it's, that's kind of one of those things of your overhead is, is living within your means. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that, you know, we, we see, we see, uh, with, um, we see frequently, um, with dealers that that's, you know, we, we don't typically go in and say yes or no to different overhead pieces, but you know, as, as we start talking about what are your things that you are, are spending on your overhead, there are a few times that, that we to ourselves is take pause and go, Hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I hope that works. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so of course our lender partners out there, our lender <laughs> friends, they, they see this, like they uh -huh. see dealers and we've had those conversations where you'll see dealer who, and this is not just our business. I mean, it happens in lots oh, yeah, of industries, but where a dealer is borrowing, for example, you know, some sum of money and they're supporting it, but there are lots of things in their P and L that aren't necessarily directly related to operation of their buy here, payer business. They have yes. additional expenses on their PL that aren't related to operation of that business. Mm -hmm. So, so whatever that looks like, it's just now it's, it's getting challenging because now mm -hmm. we do have to borrow more to make it all work. And now we're getting in a, a ratio problem with the, the, what we borrow relative to the liquid value of the receivables, you know, the market value, yeah. if, if something happened, we need to liquidate, you know, then, then you, 
you would want to support that debt in doing that. And there's lots of other things lenders look at. I think for our purposes here today, we were just trying to say, look, it's not uncommon. In fact, it's most common for dealers to use some sort of external capital mm-hmm. to fund their business, whether that's, um, and I'm not talking about selling paper. That's a whole different conversation. I'm talking about funding the contracts that they're going to own and keep on their own balance sheet mm-hmm. for today. That's really what I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. And so, so most dealers are using some sort of external funding to do that. And that's okay. It can all work just great. And the lenders can make mm-hmm. some money and you can make some money and the customer can get the car that they need, you know, yeah. so it can all still work just great, but we just, there's some things we need to watch in the, and this just leads me into the part of the reason I was struggling about where, which part of this we want to talk about is because as you know, I'm looking forward to taking on in 2023, this whole thing about deal structure, like the, uh, yeah. the, the deal structure, which will include the loan structure and how the, the, the financing that we get externally influences our ability to do the deal structure that we might like to do. Mm-hmm. So I think we want to talk about all of it. And, and again, it's not suggesting capital is a bad thing. External capital is a necessary thing often, but it's like, how do we make that all work and still do the volume that we need to do? And when I say need to do, I'm simply saying, and there's some stuff I've recorded out there on what I call the volume formula. Mm-hmm. There's a need to do a certain volume. Mm-hmm. We need to create a certain number. And I, and I mean, yeah. need like mathematically there's, there's, there's some basis for creating a certain amount of volume. And if we don't, then the model's not going to work so great. And we need to probably look at being in the dry cleaning business. Instead. Yeah. You know I, I know, like, you know, when Jim does uh, the profit um, cash flow forecasting for someone who's thinking about getting into the business and, you know, he, it's, there's a graph that he uses that it's like, you want to get to this point first, which is mm-hmm. where your overhead is being taken care of by yeah. car sales. And then the next big milestone is where sure. the replacement of inventory is getting, sure. is getting taken care of through, through the payments that are coming in. Right. Um, yeah. And so I, I, I would love to, to maybe even do a morning show kind of on that and talk a little bit more about, yeah. about those two milestones. Cause it's always a good idea for you, uh, for a dealer to, it's like, okay, we need to get to here. It's funny because of milestones. I could squirrel on that one. Milestones for a lot of dealers is like, so where are you at right now? Well, I, you know, I've got, uh, I make, 40 sales a month and I want to get to 60. So it's like, well, why, what's the milestone? What does it mean? And and so these are really very distinct milestones that you talk about, about covering overhead, covering cost of car, boom, boom. And And there's some real math involved. Mm -hmm. And I'm simply saying, you know, sourcing external money can make sense. It does make sense in lots of situations. There are lots of uh, providers out there and we're headed into an interesting Mm -hmm. time. 2023 is a time we're going to have a lot of adjustment, you know, post COVID car prices are hopefully going to stabilize, but we're still much higher. We probably won't see pre COVID prices anytime soon, if ever. So, so like there's a lot of adjustment and there's some concern about the market conditions, like the economy itself and mm-hmm. inflation and a lot of those things. So it's unprecedented. It's though, unprecedented so in some way, really got kind of a mix yeah. of things happening now, but the reality is it's a, it's an important time to be smart. There's going to be tons of opportunity for the dealers who you can get in here, but we just need to make sure we're smart about the capital that we use and, and that we create assets that have value and that perform well. And so, yeah, we're nothing that we're suggesting is go, go borrow to the hilt and, you know, create lots of sales. So I kind of, what you've said, I, I, I take like my takeaway is there's two main things, two main points to be, to be watchful of as a dealer. One is, 
um, trying to keep it under the 50% because if you doubled your charge offs, you right. know, would you be able to stay, uh, would it put you underwater or what are, um, would you be okay? Um, mm -hmm. and that 50%, usually if you do that, that you're going to be okay, even with the doubled charge offs. So mm -hmm. the first one is a 50%. The second one is, is if you can't, if you can't stay ahead of the game at 50%, look at your overhead. Yeah. Definitely overhead is yeah. going to be a thing because if, again, we're just borrowing against the earning assets, mm -hmm. then we hope that that combination generates enough cash that we can support our overhead would be my recommendation. Mm -hmm. When we go and look at the, you know, the, the numbers, we want to make sure does that do we generate enough and, and lenders would look at things like debt service coverage ratio. Uh, so are you, are you generating enough cash to cover the debt? associated with this portfolio so there are mm -hmm. lots of things they would look at we don't in our position we don't have to think about that in the same way but we you know we to the extent we're advising a dealer and they're borrowing then obviously we have to operate yeah. within that framework and so that's all part of what we try so to do. i and i and i think you know just from those two things i i know we've talked to or watched a lot of conversation with people it's like you know i want to be able to get this much and i want to be able to get this much and so they're chasing down where they can get the most amount of money for the loan and that's just not a wise place to put yourself yeah yeah we just got to be careful it's it's a concern for me and it's probably a concern for lender when we're trying to just borrow the max you know mm -hmm. to get up because that just puts us in it takes away that margin for error that we talk about. And so we, we don't want to see, you know, our clients and dealers end up in that place and then neither do the lenders. Yeah. So we just want to make sure that we, you know, create a successful formula, uh, create some balance that can make sense. I, mm -hmm. I think generally what we want to talk about today is that external debt is common and can be highly successful. Smart money can be uh, highly useful and it can help to create a successful model, which gives us an appropriate amount of growth so that we can, you know, because organic growth is, is fine. It's just that mathematically it may make sense to grow at a little faster clip. And so this is where we, you know, we would find an advisor, find a mentor and, uh, mm -hmm. and make a judgment of whether that makes sense for you, because we do think there's going to be a lot of business opportunity for our buy here, pay here folks out there in 2023. Yeah. So it's a question of, you know, is it time to step in there and access some smart money and, and grow our business and be ready to, to take on some smart deals. So that's what we want to have a chance to talk about. Karen says, uh, you're taking us to church. So yeah. So yeah, big amen from Karen. Amen. So, yeah. All right. Good. Anything else on that front? No, I think that's funny. I think yeah. I would just remind our, our, uh, viewers and listeners. I used to say listeners, but now they're actually looking at us. Yeah, Look, know, they're, right? they're watching it's us. It's kind of nice yeah. in, in a way I've gotten used to it yeah, have you? a little bit. Yeah. yeah, I have. Yeah. So um, no, it's all good. We appreciate folks tuning yeah. in and we'll talk to you again on Monday morning. Excellent. Have a great weekend, everybody. And uh, when we talk to you on Monday, like we will be back in Guymon, Oklahoma. Yeah. So we'll see you all later. Thanks so much awesome. for joining us today.